We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start. Start winning. Hello? We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the AFC East Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. And we're here with your Week 12 edition for a look around the AFC East. Chris, big ups. First week. Everybody won. That the whole division won their games. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. It hasn't. How how sad is that? That is a division we all haven't won in the same week. That's probably been a while since that happened because over time we've all been bad at some point. I mean, we've been bad for 20 years and then uh, Jets haven't been good since uh, Sanchez. It's weird. It's just weird to think about that. I don't know, but here are your AFC East standings. The Patriots, on top. No thanks to that bum Ryan Tannehill and an untimely injury to wide receiver A.J. Brown. The Patriots maintain their lead in the division with a win that was much closer for three and a half quarters than the box score would tell you. I know, because I hate watched it. The Buffalo Bills, uh, we destroyed the Saints on Thanksgiving, leaving us just one win out of the AFC East top spot, and we're getting healthier. Miami, the Dolphins had one of their more impressive performances as a team. Like, I didn't think it would get better for them outside of that Ravens game, Chris. They impressed, they doubled down on that performance and impressed me again. Just, and gave us a 
glimpse of what this team could be, what it was supposed to be. Even the Jets got in on the winning action, making this the first clean sweep weekend by the AFC all season. So we kick this thing off with the New York Jets, who just beat the Texans 21-14. And I feel like this is something of a momentous occasion. I really do. I think that this is something for real celebration. I'm going to crack another beer as we welcome in Scott Mason from Play Like a Jet to talk about it. How are you, sir? <laughs> What's up, gentlemen? Is that a... Uh... Is that a beer in honor of Zach Wilson's big return That's a, to the lineup against the Houston Texans and subsequent victory for the Jets? Yes, this is a celebratory beer for the fact that <laughs> your quarterback came in off a long layoff where the team was really struggling and had taken some lumps. And he, won, he a dub's a dub. I don't care how you come by it. I mean, <laughs> right. this is what I liked about this game, and I want to pick your brain about this aspect of it. It's a back-and-forth kind of seesaw affair. The Jets strike first, then they go down by multiple scores, only to climb out of a hole and ultimately seal the game late in the fourth. This is... it. It's one of those games where when you look back at the game... Like, I don't think they were down by that much before when Wilson did get his wins. Is this game growth for this young quarterback? I guess in some ways, because he did make some nice throws in the fourth quarter and they did hang in there. Uh, But, man, it was tough to watch for most of that game. The first half, he was brutal. The second half, he was a little better. Overall, he just looked not confident. And I'm not sure if it was something where he just wasn't sure about his knee and that worried him, or he just wasn't confident and was overthinking. But... Once again, we saw what we used to joke about with Josh Allen on his Wyoming tape, which is he would throw the ball over the head of a guy on a screen pass or an easy layup. And Joe Blewett, our mutual friend, said at one point during the game, and I agreed with him, while I think Wilson has more talent than any quarterback the Jets have drafted in quite a while, at this stage of their development, I would trust Darnold, Sanchez, or Geno Smith on easy throws like that before I would trust Wilson, which is definitely concerning. No, it's um, definitely you know, Allen-esque. It's definitely Allen-esque because that was the... Chris, wasn't that the thing? Like, when his rookie year in 2018, mind you, he was a very different... Physically, he was a very different player. He won with different sure. things, and I think that that's... And honestly, Chris, if you think back to that 2018 season, our team didn't do a whole lot of winning. You, know, you go 6-10, and 10, but when they won big... It generally was a handful of eye-popping throws mixed in with just elite-level foot speed and athleticism from your quarterback who knows he's a human battering ram. Zach Wilson has some of the arm like, hey, I can make some eye-popping throws, but he's not going to go out there, especially have a knee injury, is not challenging anybody physically. So I feel like he's got a different hill to climb, but it's kind of the same battle that he's fighting. It's just, look, I'm trying to figure out how to get my arm talent and my processing speed and all these other things into the same, to, to all work in concert. What I loved was Elijah Moore. Elijah yeah. Moore comes into this game. He's your most targeted wide receiver, puts up the so second highest yardage of anybody in the entire game. He just, I think even in the absence of Zach Wilson, what you saw was Elijah Moore kind of grasp that role as, hey, 
I can be the alpha. I can be a guy who this team can rely on. I mean, early in the season, we talked about one game. Can't remember against two, but he had multiple drops deep down the field where everyone goes, okay, those are rookie mistakes, but also maybe we need to temper our expectations for the kid. It seems like he's making those plays more frequently. That's got to be encouraging, especially in this game. That's got to be encouraging growth, right? Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of what you would be optimistic about if you're a Jets fan is Wilson struggled. At the end, they still got the win, and he did make some nice throws at the end. So you hang your hat on that and say, okay, he wasn't all that good, but baby steps, he was coming back off the injury. He clearly didn't trust the knee, which is why I think he didn't run on that play where he ended up getting intercepted. That was that play was a weird play because – Ty Johnson was facing Wilson when Wilson was getting ready to throw the ball, and by the time it left his hand, Johnson had turned around, so that's why it hit him in the back. So it's not entirely on Wilson. That was a weird one, but that combined with what you just said about Elijah Moore and then Elijah Vera Tucker, I think, is very encouraging because the Jets haven't really had promising young talent, particularly at the skill positions, but even on the offensive line, in quite a while. Becton was a breath of fresh air last year when he was healthy. Unfortunately, he's now missed at least part of 13 out of a possible 21 games. So we'll see what happens there. But Elijah Vera Tucker has just been playing like an absolute animal. And so has Elijah Moore the last few weeks. Uh, he really kind of got unlocked when Wilson was gone. Mm. That's when Elijah Moore started to cook. And then obviously last week he had uh, 140 yards and a touchdown and had a huge game. This game, the numbers weren't as big, but again, Wilson only threw for 145 yards. 45 of them were to more. So, you know, listen, those guys starting to really make a difference is big for the long term, and you want to see that above anything else because we went into this season saying, team's not going to win a lot of games. Let's see what the kids have. And so we're starting to see that now. Unfortunately, Michael Carter is going to be out until the middle of December, but he was starting to make a real dent too. So those three guys who were picked, three of the first four picks, really encouraging. It's now we just got to see what Wilson can do. If Wilson can close the season strong and those guys continue their, their momentum, it's something for Jets fans to be excited about. And really haven't had a reason to be excited in quite a long time. It's, it's unfortunate uh, defensively. You, you know, you don't necessarily see the um, the young talent being as strong. Uh, some of those guys are making a difference, but the two key guys on Sunday were the two defense, interior defensive linemen, Quinn Williams and John Franklin Myers, who now have a combined 12 sacks on the season, and they both have a chance to become uh, first Jets to have double-digit sacks in a season since Mo Wilkerson in 2015. So if we're looking for positives, it's what you just said with Elijah Moore. It's the other young talent, particularly right now, Elijah Vera Tucker. And then we saw the defensive line really buckle down in the second half, and they were a big part of the reason why the Texans only had 45 total yards in the second half. Well, that's it. And I I mean, I was looking over the I, – I, I give every single one of these games the uh, the game uh, – what is it? The Game Pass 30-minute recap. I'll watch that just so right. that we can talk about it, and I'll look at some of the statistics – what you saw was just those dominant performances on the defensive line in this game. That just, I mean, outside of, the, first of all, it, it, it promote, you could see the ripple effect of, hey, our, our defensive line is doing its job. Our secondary is under talented, but it's now also doing its job. They're also competing. 
And you saw that, I mean, 158 total receiving yards for the Texans. And outside of the Cooks touchdown grab, nobody had more than 30 yards. Like, nobody had a completion yeah. downfield. There, there was no more beating you guys down the field deep the way the Bills did just a couple of weeks ago. That's, again, it's progress. You're seeing the building blocks of, okay, this is what this scheme is supposed to do. The defensive line is in front seven is supposed to hold serve specifically so that you can play a bend-don't-break style of defense, that your safeties can keep a lid on things, even when you don't have premier talent at your disposal. And you're seeing that sort sort of play out against one of the, I would say, arguably one of the worst passing offenses in football, but still, you did it. I mean, this is a team Buffalo shut out, but this is also a team that's beaten and threatened other teams in the NFL. So, well, 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 to your point, Drew, as far as how little they had on offense, and, and again, we don't want to get lost in the fact that, yes, the Jets did win this game, but the Texans happen to be an absolutely horrendous football team. Uh, I said going into this thing, I mean, they and, beat the, uh, the they beat the Titans down under Luke Grant. They, I'm sorry, go ahead. They beat the Titans. <laughs> they they did well. Listen, I'm I'm saying that the the uh, Texans are a terrible football team that the Jets just beat. So you know, Titans did did lose to the Jets and all that. It's weird how the no, Jets. No, 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 no. I'm talking about two. the fact that the Houston Houston beat like at this point because the AFC is so wonky, right. which is something we're going to talk about later tonight. You are what your well, record right. says you are and who you beat, and you're talking about a Houston team sure. that just put 22 on the Houston t- on the Tennessee Titans. So it's not like their offense can't score and can't move the ball and is completely inept. I mean, I'm looking at this. Right. Well, I'm just saying, like, if you look at who they have on their team and you look at the production they've been getting offensively, the only player – you look at that and the only player there that is any threat is Brandon Cooks. So what I said before the game in the Thunder from down under, Luke Grant, who does some great work for us on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, he said it as well. Take Brandon Cooks out, and you should be able to win this thing. And Cooks obviously had that big touchdown early on, but beyond that, he didn't do a lot. And nobody else really did either, because like you said, I mean, Brevin Jordan had the touchdown and all that, but nobody had above 30 yards. David Johnson had 3.9 yards of carries, so they didn't really run the ball all that well. So you knew you had a team that didn't have a lot, and you you had to hunker down and, and do what you had to do to take Cooks out, but they did. What needed to be done, and as we said, they got pressure on your old friend Tyrod Taylor, Quinn Williams, and John Franklin Myers played really well. Franklin Myers had two sacks and the batted ball interception. So, like you said, baby steps. We'll take it for now. A W is a W, I suppose. And now, <laughs> now it's it's going to be uh, a little bit tougher against the Eagles, although the Eagles aren't all that great either. But certainly a step up from the Texans, at least on paper. No, and I get that. And I just, I think this is encouraging because you know, you used to come on here and it was all gloom and doom and we were just talking about where the bottom was and trying to find it. Now you're finding mm-hmm. reasons for optimism around this Jets football team. And this is the first thing, like I said, this is a celebration. It's the first time all season every team in the AFC East has won on the same weekend. So let's, like, let's try to find the silver linings here. Except it doesn't look like there's any coming for you next week, but I think some of this is subject to change because nobody knows what the health of your next opponent is. Next week against the spread, you guys are six-and-a-half-point dogs to the Eagles. But at the same time, nobody knows if Jalen Hurts, like they, they said his ankle injury, it's gonna be, you're going to have to watch practice this week and see if he can play. 
Do you think six and a half points with a questionable quarterback is fair when it comes to the Eagles? Probably. And, and mostly I say that because the Eagles have a really strong rushing attack and the Jets have tended to have a lot of problems stopping teams that can run the ball. Hell, they've had problems, as you saw with the Bills, stopping teams that can't run the ball. So I think they're going to have a lot of trouble with uh, Miles Sanders and Boston Scott and that three-headed monster they have there. And then even if Gardner Minshew plays, it's not like he's great, but uh, he, you know, it's it's a touchdown, really. And you're looking at, at a team with the Eagles that has Dallas Goddard and uh, and Devontae Smith. Now, Devontae Smith, you know, you should be able to bracket him, I suppose, but Dallas Goddard's going to be a problem. The Jets have had a lot of problems covering tight ends, and we saw what Pitts did to them with Atlanta. So I, I think right now you'd still have to go with the Eagles on this. But look, I mean, if you're a Jets fan, again, the, the wins are nice, but they're, they're sort of like dessert. Like they're nice, but they're not a necessity. To me, I, the rest of the season comes down to, uh, first of all, you know, what, what do the young kids do? But most importantly, above anything else, you want Zach Wilson to start kicking butt. He didn't do that on against the the Texans. He at least showed you something at the end. But you want to see this kid start to show you more of what you saw against the Tennessee Titans where he looked like the special player that everybody thought he could be coming out of BYU. And you want to see him be able to do the simple stuff. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but, you know, again, you brought up Josh Allen, and it's a similar thing. It's very tough to be a successful quarterback in the NFL if you can't do the simple things. And look, <laughs> the vast majority of quarterbacks can throw screen passes and short passes. I mean, look, we saw Mike White do it. Mike White is not going to be mistaken by anybody other than people in New York who got a little overexcited for five minutes for anything other than what he really is, which is, you know, maybe if you're lucky, a decent backup. Uh, with Wilson, he can do things that most quarterbacks in the NFL can't do, but it's hard to be able to succeed when, yeah, you can make the half-court shot, but you can't make the layup and you can't make the foul shots, you know? So it, that that's what you're looking for from Zach Wilson now is you know what he's capable of on the big plays, but you want to see him settle in be able to do the simple stuff consistently. And if he can do that, then I think Jets fans will be a lot more optimistic, especially since it looks like, I mean, knock on wood, we'll see what happens. The Jets may have four picks in the top 40 if this keeps up. It's, it's going to be interesting to watch how it plays out down the string, but I do like the fact that you're seeing some fight. You're seeing some growth from some of the players. It, it's just going to be time and maturation. But again, this had to be – it doesn't screw you because you're – I mean, if you guys are talking about the the draft race, you guys own what – I want to say you have two picks inside the top five. Is that, a, is that true? Seattle's pick they have. As of <laughs> – so, yeah, so you were cheering moment, last night. It would be number four and number five. So Funny were, thing for you guys is that the New York football team, not counting Buffalo – Whatever, I don't want to get into that whole is Buffalo New York team, but it is. teams that are named in New York, the Jets and the Giants, if the season were to end now, would own four, five, six, and seven, which is kind of crazy. 
Scott, we always appreciate your time. Where can people find all the work you got coming up over at Play Like a Jet, covering all the players we just talked about? Thank you, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. This is always one of the highlights of my week. I feel like it's audio therapy. I don't have to pay a therapist because I unload to you two. Um, <laughs> you can check out all of the shows that, that we're doing uh, on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Seven days a week of Jets content. I know it's insane. This week we've got some fun stuff. Uh, we're actually going to start diving into some draft content with my friend Walter Cherpinski of WalterFootball.com. I always say that he's the OG of year-round draft content online, which I think he is. Uh, he's always got fantastic stuff, so I'm looking forward to starting to dive into that, especially since, as we just said, the Jets are at the moment in possession of two top five picks. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Dan Booney Roach, who is a senior producer at NBC Sports Philadelphia about the Eagles and get an inside look there. Plus, as a bonus, he despises Ben Simmons with every ounce of his being and has despised him for years. So I've been on the receiving end of numerous Ben Simmons rants, which are, I can assure you, as good as any stand-up comedy you're going to hear. So Dan goes into one of his classic Ben Simmons rants on the show, which is cool. Uh, and then the usual stuff, too. We'll get a mid, we got a midweek news and notes show with the very big deal, Chris Nimbley of JetsInsider.com. Uh, Chris and Walter Cherapinski will be back on for the pregame report on Sunday to give you uh, a look at the betting odds, prop bets, last-minute news injuries, and then Walter does his picks from around the league. We'll do some film with the Thunder from down under Luke Grant, some keys to the game with him as well. So it's a, a very packed week. And then on the YouTube channel, we've got some cool stuff Luke broke down the twelve uh, in 12 minutes what Zach Wilson did on Sunday. As we said, very uneven, shaky performance, but there were, were some highs, so goes into all of it. Uh, if you haven't checked out the YouTube channel, please check it out. Subscribe. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And here to talk to us about the hottest team in the AFC East right now, <laughs> Mr. Elf Artiaga from Three Yards Per Carry. How are you, sir? 
Well, I'm doing great, but wouldn't that be New England is the hottest team? Your opponent for on um, Monday night? <sighs> Please, the team I don't recognize. I don't recognize cheaters. All right, I, th- <laughs> we don't recognize cheaters here on the Rock Bell Report. Right well, now, once you guys hang hang an L on them on Monday, and we're kind of counting on it. All right, because. When you ask me about scenarios a little bit later on, one of them is very, very specific. Oh, for sure. The one scenario that gets the Miami Dolphins into the playoffs <laughs> is a Buffalo Bills AFC East championship. God, I, 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 I guys I, drop to a wild card spot. It's essentially impossible for Miami to get in. Ah, we've got a whole lot of that to talk about later on in the show, and I can't wait. But here's what I like, sir. You guys are on a streak. An absolute tear lately. And it's funny. Like, it's funny to watch when Chris goes, this is kind of like Major League. We're like, yeah, it is, isn't it? We're sitting here. I I mean, what is it? Where's this motivation coming from? I mean, the Dolphins beat the Panthers 33 to 10. You thoroughly embarrass them. The running back gets knocked out of the game and they just never recover. Their quarterback gets knocked out of the game and they just never recover. I don't even know if knocked out's the right word. I think he slunk off somewhere to go uh, check his wardrobe, maybe see if some of his new hats came in. I don't know where Cam Newton went to. But you guys are on a hot streak for the first time all season. And I, I, I'm shocked. I mean, I am, I am shocked considering the way this season started. This is the team you guys envisioned back in week two before Tua got knocked out of the game, Correct. Pretty much, yeah. Good defense, um, kind of faking it with a with the run game, and having a very efficient passing game. So yeah, this is and very good special teams. Like this is what we envisioned, and it's taken a while to get here. But you know, it just begs those questions. You know, Tua left the field with the lead against Atlanta and the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'll maintain until the day that I die, we got absolutely screwed in Las Vegas against the, the the Raiders. So you had those three wins, and they're exactly who we expected them to be. Well, I look at what you With flaws and all. That offensive line and that terrible running game and all. It's Hey, but I can't. Whoa. Hey, listen. I live in a house of glass on that front. That front. I can't say a damn thing to you. About <laughs> terrible <laughs> offensive line play, about lack of ability to run the football consistently. I I love to throw shade, and I can't. What I love when I'm looking at when I'm looking at this game and I'm rewatching it on the uh, just the game recap over at because uh, we have the game pass and I'm watching the condensed version of the game because I'm only gonna I, I'm only gonna give the Dolphins thirty minutes that's all I got five sacks three picks and you just smothered them you smothered everything that they wanted to do all day long on offense no passer with a QBR in double digits that's absurd like what. <laughs> Explain to me a little bit what your front seven is cooking with right now, because I, I think it's we all thought you were getting hot on defense after that Baltimore win, where you watched the defense hold serve pretty much all night. But I mean, you guys played so well that the Cam Newton reboot, like it ended faster than like that. He was time, awful. It ended faster. You guys ended it quicker than the time back in 2015 when they tried to reboot that show Coach with Craig T. Nelson from back in the <laughs> early 90s. Like that's how fast yeah. you ended that. Now, Elf, you're an older guy. Do you remember Coach? Yes, I do. I remember that show. <laughs> did, did you watch it? Uh, I barely watched it. <laughs> uh, I barely watched it. I, I remember. I still see commercials from it because. Uh, you know, being, uh, you know, 
one of the pores growing up, I had VHS copies of most movies that were just like ripped off TV. And there was all these old 90s sitcoms on ABC. Like you'd get the commercials for them in the recording. I remember I used to see all the coach commercials and just be, even as a kid, I'm like, this show sounds stupid. <laughs> and yet it survived. And then they tried to reboot it in 2015 to the same effect Cam Newton had. What did you guys do to chase him off the football field? Uh, pretty much what we're doing to everybody as of late. We're, we're just, you know, blitzing a lot on third down and unleashing our pass rush on first and second down. Uh, you got to be balanced to, to play against Miami. And that's kind of a problem, too, because uh, since Raekwon Davis has come back uh, six weeks ago, the Dolphins actually have the second ranked run defense in the NFL. So you're talking about a six week sample. It's not terrible. Six week sample, they're the second ranked run defense in the NFL. So they're not giving up rushing yards. They're getting you in third and long, and then they're just blitzing. And remember when we were talking about what's wrong with Jalen Phillips? Mm-hmm. Well, he had three sacks, three tackles for losses, two PBUs, and knocked down two other passes. And he missed his fourth sack because he tackled air and let Christian Wilkins get the sack as P.J. Walker ran away. So, you know... We had fans down here, and I don't know how, how well Greg Rousseau has played as of late, but we had fans down here ready to you know run everybody out of town because they, they took the wrong University of Miami defensive end. <laughs> well, now that Jalen Phillips is just racking up sacks, he has six and a half. You know, everybody's like, oh, you know, maybe he wasn't also, you know, all that bad. Well, he was the he was the one that came in. Everyone kind of said this, like Greg Rousseau for the Bills has not been a I would never call him a disappointment. He's doing the thing that I think in this defense, they want their defensive ends to do. You want to be a stand up four three defensive end in this system. You have to be strong against the run. So you got to be able to hold up against offensive tackles. You can't get pushed around. And you have to be able to provide a little bit of pass rush. You know, they, and I think that they always assume that their zone schemes in the back end will help augment what the pass rushers are able to do. So they don't need a ton of juice. They just need a guy who can play both roles and eat up a bunch of snaps on defense. Jalen Phillips is the guy who they were like, well, he's boom or bust, but his ceiling is going to be much higher. That's why he went so early in the draft compared to where Greg Rousseau went. And I don't think that that's incorrect. I mean, he was always going to be the guy who, if he hit his potential and if he came along and found his, you know, found his ceiling, he's going to be a dynamic pass rusher because he's got that, those explosive athletic traits that Greg Rousseau just didn't have, which is fine. Both of them are fine players. And I think, I think they both found the right systems it's just interesting to see that he's finally starting to get it and what a terror your pass rush is becoming. Five sacks, that's crazy for a, for a team. And you held him to four out of 14 on third down. I mean, that's going <laughs> to that's gonna make a game really one-sided really quickly. Yeah, what, I was impressed, what I was impressed with, I don't care how bad Cam Newton is, but he was five for 21 passing. And and I said, you know, that's not bad for a shortstop hitting eighth in the in the in the order. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But for a quarterback, like I think you and me can get out there and complete five out of twenty one passes. Yeah. Well, maybe not, but we'll, we'll definitely we'll not give it Chris a, a run. Definitely not Chris. Let's I just... could I could do it and crush the post game fashion. <laughs> <laughs> but so none of this matters if the offense doesn't also click. 
And I so to reference a tweet where I you you used a word that I literally had to go Google. You went SAT word on us all, which come on. What are you what are you doing out here? This is Twitter. No, know your audience, Elf. You're being you use it. This is the tweet, Chris. Am I allowed to like the play calling from from our Politburo? I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Of offensive Politburo of offensive coordinators. I am. Okay, just going to go ahead and say I like what they've done the last few weeks, and especially today. This is no bullshit that Panthers defense is stacked with talent. First of all, you used a word to describe what, when I Googled it, they said, well, communist governments usually use this form of management where nobody actually knows who's in charge. And I said, well, that yeah. that seems to fit. Yes, that's why I use Politburo. A Politburo, for those that don't know, uh, communist bosses used to put together what was like a parliament. Um, Cuba did this. Uh, the Soviets did this in the early 80s. And you have a group of about you know, 40, 50 communists. Nobody knows who's in charge, but everybody's essentially in charge, <laughs> except you know when it's time to take um, credit or blame for something. So it just fits perfectly. I know, st- still, to this day, nobody knows who's calling the plays down here. Okay. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm here on your podcast, and we don't know who's calling the plays. Whoever called the plays against Carolina, okay, give him the job the rest of the way. That was pretty good because that was the, you know, that was a good defense, and that offense actually looked like something. So, yeah, whoever that was, give that guy the job. Well, and I've been laughing about this because on this win streak that you guys have been on, that we've been kind of joking around about, the reality is is that the much maligned. To a tongue of Eloa, who everybody has an opinion. I know you and WGR 550, Nate Geary, one of our, <laughs> a friend of the show, one of our favorite guests. Uh, you know, he, he comes in here, he drinks beer, he eats pizza with us. We love hanging out with him. But you and him just going blow for blow over his just what you almost called you know, character assassination of Tua before the season even started. I think he called him the fifth best quarterback in the division. I think he tried to get the six and and that he would have been the third best on the Buffalo Bills, which is come on. Okay. Well, when I look at what he's doing now, four incompletions out of thirty one attempts in this game, two hundred and thirty yards, one touch, no picks, that's an efficient day. That's an efficient day with some splash plays. You know, what he's making Waddle effect like this is the player Waddle was supposed to be. And I I think the biggest thing was that he was supposed to have more help, right? In order to have that kind of a day, when all the, all the Dolphins fans came to the table, they said, okay, for Tua to be a good quarterback this year, we're happy that our team went out and got a Will Fuller, that went out and that we have a Devontae Parker, that we have a Preston Williams, and oh, by the way, we're going to throw in this bit piece of Jalen Waddle, who will be good, but we don't need to lean on him right away. Well, all of that blew up, and he's been the only consistent thing you guys have had going. And you see the more time he gets to play with Tua, all of a sudden he's he's making splash plays. He's having big games with Tua at the helm. And he's having this type of a day against a very good pass defense without some of those premier weapons that you guys spent a lot of money on. So I feel like how much of the credit for your offense and stuff really does have to go to that guy. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, almost all of it. And I said so today. Uh, Tua Tungvaloa is playing like a top 10 quarterback with no running game. Okay, because as of late, I like what they're doing, which is kind of faking a running game, which is every once in a while they pop an eight, nine-yard run, but they're getting under three yards of carry, 3.5 yards of carry at best. So they don't have a running game. We know their offensive line is terrible, and all their wide receivers are on IR. Devontae Parker has played a grand total of two games with Tua Tungvaloa this year. Tua has yet to play with Will Fuller. Okay. <laughs> Both are expected back at practice on Wednesday, but we've heard that one before. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the offense is essentially a collection of running backs that are essentially pretty decent backups. Because Philip Lindsay got into this game and he looked okay. But let's let's face it. All we have are a bunch of RB2s. We don't have an RB1 on this team. Then you got Gasecki and you got Waddle. That's the offense. That's all there is. That's all there's going to be until Fuller or Parker comes back. So you got to you gotta like what you're seeing from the second-year quarterback. He's looking like what we drafted, an efficient guy, very Drew Brees-like, very surgical, makes, a, makes big plays by finding guys running in, in stride. So, yeah, arrow up. Absolutely up. And I'll tell you what, I'll be picking your brain before our game against Carolina as I have to do my own show prep. I'm going to come to you and pick your brain about how you guys accomplished this because for a pass defense that's been shutting a lot of people down, that was an impressive game from Tua. Now, this next week against the spread, I mean, Chris, there's a part of me that genuinely thinks they that Tua, maybe it's not like Major League in the locker room where they have the owners thing up there. I bet you it's just a big cardboard stand-up of Deshaun Watson. And then every single time, like he's wearing like one of those masseuse towels. And every time they get a win, Tua gets to put another patch of clothing back on him. And it's a Houston Texans uniform. And he just goes, no, every time I win, you're just that much closer to staying the hell in Houston. That is a brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah, and, and I will say this. Uh, my partner on the podcast, Chris Kaufman, had a great stat. Okay, he says, uh, and he and I and I checked it out. Both stats are absolutely correct. Okay, uh, to his first name, I, you know what it is. It's uh, I, I said it the other day, and it's very hard for me to repeat, but it's Tunga Lopololo, something like that. Mm-hmm. He has more vowels in his. He has less vowels in that name. Or let me see how how does it work. He has more vowels in that name than he has incompletions the last four weeks. Okay. <laughs> And this this is the better stat. The better stat is this: since the trade deadline, Tua Tagovailoa has less incompletions than Deshaun Watson has sexual assault allegations. Oh, <laughs> see now that's oh, oh, oh. home run. That's the, the stats score we is like. Twenty-four stat. to sixteen. Okay, <laughs> and that's the one that matters, right? That's the yes. only stat that matters right now. Next week versus the spread, you guys are favorites against the Giants. Is this your first time being a favorite all season? Uh, no, we were we were actually a one point favorite against Carolina. We were favored against the Jets. We've been favored for like three right. weeks running already. Look at you! Uh, guys. We weren't favored against uh, the Ravens, though. Well, listen, it's going to be. A, do, do you agree, though? I mean, I think we can all agree. I mean, I don't know what the Giants are. Although I don't know what anybody in the NFC East is, except for frauds. Like, if you wanted to use that as a banner term, we could just apply it to everyone. I mean, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the all of them—they're just a mess. So you have to agree with that spread, right? Do you think it should be bigger? It, it could be bigger, and we could be looking at it a few weeks from now and saying, yeah, 
that line was just bad. You well, know, I'll tell you what, then, I'm going to hammer it because I'm looking at Danny needs a new pair of shoes. I'm going to hammer that. <laughs> you know, but all we know about the Giants is one thing. They're an elite defense at home. When they travel, they get smoked. They're just a bad defense. So we're counting on exactly that for Tua to have a big day and our defense to do their thing and win another one. Hey, we said it when, when it was one and when we were one and seven, when the Dolphins were one and seven, you looked at the futures books and you looked at fa- you know favoritism going forward, and they were going to be favored in a lot of games that was going to get them pretty close to 500. Well, they seem to be winning all of them. And now they got two more that they're favored in. Uh, the Giants this week and the Jets after a bye week. And I'm no math major, but they win those two games that they're favored in. They'll be right back to seven and seven with three games to go. And those three games are against New Orleans, Tennessee, and the Patriots at home. So, well, exciting weeks ahead for the for the Dolphins. I can't wait because see, this is it, Chris. Isn't this more exciting when the teams that we're talking to are actually good? Yeah. Involves a better conversation. I love it. Elf, where can everybody find your guys' conversation over at 3 Yards Per Carry, and where can they follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, fighting with everybody and trying to explain <laughs> the, trying to explain to people like Nate Geary uh, you know, that this defense is not overrated. Um, at Alf underscore Artiaga, and of course our podcast is the number 3 Yards Per Carry on Twitter. You can get our podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Spotify iTunes, wherever. Scott Mason and Alf Arteaga, two of the best. They're like the brain busters. The brain but Is that a real thing? Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. I hate you. The brain busters. They were in the WWF for one year, kicked ass, won the title. I mean, how often is it going to be that everybody in the division wins in the same week? Here's what bothers me about this. No, like, like really bothers me to my core is that you can sit there with this puzzled look on your face for 40 seconds and just bust this out. So all of the things that you and me talk about that you forget about, but you have room in there for that. Yeah, that's important. Whatever <laughs> comes out of your mouth is definitely not important. As the brain busters. Yeah. God. Folks, it's a wonder we don't kill each other in here. It really is. And it's... <laughs> It's one of nature's miracles. And that brings us to the two bulls in the room, the pride of the division, the Bills and Patriots, who won their respective games by a combined margin of 67 to 18. I don't know about you, Chris, but that sounds pretty impressive, doesn't it? That is impressive. Okay. Now, first of all, if you haven't already, go back and check out our Thanksgiving recap podcast and the Trey White injury discussion that we had. We recorded it on Friday and Black Friday immediately following the football game with Cover One's Greg Thompson. It was a great conversation. Also, I think I illustrated, Chris, that isn't Greg one of the more pragmatic people you've ever talked to? He is. I love the fact that I can even get him riled up. I really have the ability to get under anybody's skin if I want to. Yeah, you do. Because, <laughs> well, when you, when you want to get under somebody's skin like you can you can really do it yeah i'm a pro i am a professional jackass and it it comes through in my work right it comes through here on this podcast when you hear me interact with some of these people who are so poised and just full of i don't know what you want to call it 
I, I don't know, Chris. They take themselves very seriously, and they actually, you know, they, they, they're very professional. Some of these people are just overwhelmingly friendly, and yet I can draw the worst. <laughs> I can get them to snap, yell, raise their voice, something. I've been doing it to my father for God knows how many years now. <laughs> yeah, where, where do you think you learned it from? Also, our New England versus Buffalo preview podcast with Mike Debate from Locked On Patriots. He usually joins us here on this show, but instead we use that time to preview what feels like one of the biggest games that the Bills have on their schedule all season. Make sure you go check that out. Week 12 was interesting for both of these teams. It was. Because well, both of them dominated their opponent on the scoreboard and in different ways, both teams also, which we talked about with Mike in our Monday Night Football preview, they showed lapses and holes in certain aspects of their game. These teams are neck and neck in the division race. And with maybe even the postseason itself, when you look at how crazy everything is in the balance, we sit here and Chris, I'm hearing a lot of stuff. I'm hearing a lot of things from people on social media. I'm seeing a lot of things. People coming up to me at work and being like, well, what do you think? Oh, this is the biggest game. Oh, my God. What do you? People stop me in the halls in the office and go, hey, what, 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 what are we going to do? What happens if we lose? I go, guys, what are we talking about? First of all, the game, well, we're not even there yet. But second of all, everyone feels the weight of this football game. Correct. Both yeah. of our fan bases are looking at this game going, woof, I don't know what to think if my team doesn't come out on top. So for the Patriots fans listening to this podcast, I want you to take a walk with us hand in hand as we take a look at why, why I think nobody should panic. And why I actually think that this is just one more football game, and I certainly hope that my team is coming out of the gate thinking this. First of all, the NFL has an incredible amount of parity right now. Maybe more, I shouldn't even say maybe. Chris, let me run a couple factoids by you. If you look back at 2020, because I like to take a look back, because when you're standing in a place, you ever seen that where you, you, when something terrible is happening to you, and you say, well, this is the worst thing ever. Sometimes you have to check yourself for recency bias. And sometimes you have to look at what's going on historically or what's happened historically to try to figure out, is this the worst thing? What did history say? Where am I now compared to where things were before? Because you find out that maybe something that looks the same in its face isn't the same. Well, that's where we are in terms of the NFL. Back in 2020, if you looked at the standings entering week 13... The differences are pretty jarring. There's three teams back in 2020 with double-digit win totals between the two conferences. In 2021, there are zero. Zilch. Nada. There is not a single football team that has double-digit wins going into, th- into Week 13. And by extension, there were also two teams that had already clinched a playoff berth. This year, there are zero. In the AFC, there are three divisions where the separation between first and second place is just one single game. And the South only has two games of games of separation between, I mean, they lost this weekend, but a hot Colts team. I mean, man, Chris, we want to talk about being on a heater. We caught them at the wrong time. 
Yeah, I actually picked the Colts in my, my pick em play. And they almost pulled it off. Yeah, I was like sitting fine the whole game because they were beating the shit out of the, the Buccaneers. There are only two games separating them and Tennessee, and right now when you look at what each team is, who do you like? I'd argue I like the Colts. They're probably they're more healthy than Tennessee is. They're, they had their injuries early, and they suffered for it. And as they've gotten healthier, Tennessee's going the other way. And I mean, I think that that's a story everyone talked about in the beginning of the season, that that was going to be the story. Who could stay COVID-free? Who could stay healthy? That's going to be the key to you winning. And you're already seeing it starting to take its toll. Like, think about teams like the Browns. The Browns' offensive line has slowly just absorbed injury after injury after injury. They built that offensive line to carry their heavy rushing attack. But how many more players can they lose for a full season? Yeah, it took a hit this weekend with Jack Conklin, who exactly. shredded his patella tendon, and he's out for the season. So you have all of this parity across the divisions in the AFC. There are only four teams in the AFC, which is 25%, with a sub-500 record. Pittsburgh, by way of tie, Jacksonville, Houston, and the Jets, which is the fewest at this point in the season in NFL history. ESPN's Adam, I believe it's Teacher, but it's T-E-I-C-H-E-R. Don't worry, there's a link in the show's description if you want to go check out the full article, because I did crib a little bit from him, and it was a really interesting article. I think you should all go read it. But this piece over at ESPN about just this dynamic and how increased conference parity and the zany up and down results, which obviously, Chris, you you look at it and the first thing you see is a picture of Josh Allen being sacked by the Jaguars. Because wasn't that one of the zanier outcomes this year? Yeah. Well, People go to the Jaguars, the Bills. Poof, this is going to be this. Is, we were double digit favorites. Yeah, we were. But if you look at a lot of the good teams in the AFC, Kansas City's got a bad loss. Tennessee's got two bad losses. Oh, we're going to talk We've about got that. got a bad loss. Every, gonna... Everybody has a bad loss in the AFC. I don't put anybody head and shoulders above the other. I As mean, you shouldn't. It's just, it's just like a giant car crash at the top of the AFC. Well, and do you want to know why? Take a look at this. 25 games this season in the NFL have been decided on the final play of the game. That's the most through 12 weeks since the leagues merged back in 1970. How's Detroit doing at that? <laughs> dude, they're fat kicker with his stupid man boobs. I mean, I would have fired that guy on. Dude, to come out there in that football game knowing what was on the line and to shank that kick. Oh, I got it blocked. I don't know with your stupid mustache. He looks like he looks like a fatter version of Bob from Bob's Burgers. And he just comes out there. And I give the coach credit because he stuck by his kicker in a bad moment. I would have fired that. I would have made that guy find his own plane ride home. I would have fired him at the airport. I would have cut him from the team. I would have, as the owner who's watching that play out on TV, I would have called the GM and been like, you fire him at the airport and tell him to pay for his own plane home. That's it. You, you don't miss that kick in overtime against Pittsburgh. You don't. And tell him he has to shave his mustache before he can come clean his locker. Like that's, that's how embarrassing that that, that went. 35 games have been decided by 22 points or more. So what you have is a huge number of close games and a huge number of blowouts, five of which have involved the Buffalo Bills. I, I want to wager that that's more than any team in the NFL. 
which speaks to how volatile this league can be from one week to the next. One week, you're throttling Miami. You're throttling Houston. Then you're getting kicked in the face by my uh, by, by Indy. It's just... But but then you say, okay, I'm going to beat up the Jets. It, what What's happening here? And then you go on Thanksgiving night and say, hey, Saints, you don't have any playmakers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. The other dynamic that it highlights, which is something that Ryan Lacell of Rock Sports Network and I had a whole podcast about coming out of the bye week. Money? Earlier in the season. Yeah, money. All the things we've been in, doing. Income you know, we, level. We actually had an interesting conversation today in our group chat. Um, but sorry, Lacell, I'm breaking down the, the fourth wall for people. So we have a group chat full of some of us who all do content creation or just don't and just like talking trash and sports to each other. And uh, they, <laughs> we were talking about what you would do with money. And honestly, it all started because of the stuff about the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. And I was just like, well, you know, rich people, they'll do what they'll, we need to admit that there's an elite class of people in the country who feel like I've got money, I've got influence, I can do whatever I want. And we need to start throwing these, some of these people out of planes just to get the rest of them in check. You know, just a hard slant back to the mean. And we were talking about what that would look like. And someone raised the point that if we were all incredibly wealthy, we would be into some weird stuff and we'd do some things that were probably frowned upon, too. And so we went back and forth about what that would look like. And I brought up the fact that I would I Chris, I would own an army of henchmen. My first order of business with that wealth, it would immediately go towards I would a la Ghostbusters. I would buy an old firehouse. And then I'd find about 20 to 30 degenerates who I could put on on the payroll benefits, health care. I'd get the best defense attorney money could buy, and I would just have henchmen. It would be like the anti-police. I could call a number 24-7, and there would be a receptionist there who would take my call, and I could just dole out mischief any hours of the day I felt like. That's the life I'd live if I was a wealthy person. What would you do? I think if I had a ton of wealth, anybody that wronged me and I had like a paper trail of it, whether it was like a text or a DM, I would just put it on billboards <laughs> around, around <laughs> Buffalo. That's what I would do. I would just just out people that did me wrong on billboards around Buffalo. I would find I would find out where like what part of Buffalo they lived in. Like my old my old job, I would probably do something to that boss and have stuff around North Tonawanda Wheatfield, or you know where he lives in North Tonawanda Wheatfield. Well, my old job, I I worked in Wheatfield. Oh, that's right. That's I worked right. in Wheatfield. I would I would do something like that. I would just slander somebody via billboard. But so I guess Chris, again, we're cementing ourselves as the pettiest bills podcast because that's garbage behavior, but it's very on brand for us. That those are the things we would do if we. <laughs> Notice, yeah. nobody said, hey, I'd pay off my father-in-law's house, or I'd I'd take all my family on a vacation. Nope. Henchmen and billboards. <laughs> Henchmen and disparaging billboards. I would also, if, if I had a, a shit ton of money, the other thing I would consider doing... You sound like Larry right now. When you say it like that, you sound like Larry Lawrence from Office Space. What would you do if you had a boatload of money, Lawrence? Yeah. Well, if I was going to do something good with a boatload of money... I would nuke North Tonawanda, just clear it off the map, and then I would build a new city. the new stadium there, a new Sabres <laughs> Arena, and a new Bison's Stadium, and it change the name to Stadium District New York. That's wow. what I would do. Just clean out North Tonawanda. It's only for 
professional athletes in stadiums. That's, that's Put an, that land to good use. That's an interesting idea, and I'm sure you've just enraged a lot of people who live in that area. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. Fuck North Tonawanda. Samson, we know you're listening. Yeah, he said it. But so when I, we just went on a giant tangent. I'm sorry, people. It, we did this whole podcast, Ryan Lacell and I, about this concept that there are no Goliaths. Like you just got done saying, Chris. There's no Goliath on top of either conference. There's no, this is the team to beat. So that means a few things for both Bills fans and for Patriots fans. Not just ahead of this week's matchup that feels like the end of the world, but even beyond that. First of all, if your team loses this week, say it with me, Chris. Goose Fraba. You got to relax. Strength of schedule is meaningless. It doesn't matter. Do you want to know how I know? Because the Jaguars suck. So do the Houston Texans. You know what they have in common? They beat... They've beaten two of the top teams in football. The Tennessee Titans just lost to the Houston Texans and then summarily got stomped out by the Jets this past weekend. Yeah, you know what? I didn't have us going 1-3 and three against the... AFC South. No. <laughs> and at the same time, you're looking at this. When you looked at the AFC South, you said, oh, well, based on strength of schedule and everything else that they've done, we should walk through this division. We're going to go one and three. How hilarious is that? Yeah, I would have put two and two. I mean, I knew Indianapolis and Tennessee would be slightly tough games because they got a good rush attack, but it's not something we can't handle. <sighs> and yet it didn't go that way. And at the same time, Jacksonville spanked us. But every team can get blown out like that. I mean, it's not just lip service. Look at this. Arizona, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Cincinnati, and Baltimore are probably up there with the best records in their conference. The Cardinals lost by 24 points just like two weeks ago. Just got absolutely mauled by the Cam Newton-led Panthers. You know, the guy we were just talking about tonight who finished, who got chased like a bad goaltender in hockey, got chased out of a football game with a single-digit QBR. Five of 21, I think was his numbers. <laughs> Tampa Bay has a pair of double-digit losses to teams not currently in their conference playoff, playoff bracket. Cincy lost to the Browns by 25 points. And then those same Browns went on to shit their pants against the New England Patriots the following week in a 38-point loss. Chris, the NFL's wild. I've never seen anything like this, where one team can look so dominant one week, and then against a team that you assume is lesser, just get housed. Like, that kind of volatility. I mean, for fuck's sake, the Dolphins were going to fire everybody and jettison two into the sun just so they could drag an alleged sex offender into town to sling the rock for them. And now they have the third longest active win streak in the league. Every single week of the 2021 season is just going to be an absolute dice roll. And we need to stop trying to apply logic to this madness. Every week is going to be like its own season. It's going to carry its own narratives. It's going to have its own storylines. And when it ends, there, there likely won't be anything that translates over to the following week. There probably won't be. It's like when people in Buffalo tell you, if you don't like the weather here, just give it a minute. It's kind of a folksy way to describe volatility. It's the same way with the NFL this year. Don't like your team this week? Just give it a week. I don't know. <laughs> I tell you, you'll bounce back. 
Secondly, everything that we still want is up for grabs. Not just for our team, but for at least three of them in this division. Miami could still make the playoffs if the Buffalo Bills beat the New England Patriots. Elf was kind of alluding to it earlier in our spot with him. If the Bills win and Tennessee loses again when they come out of their bye week, they'll they'll still be without Henry, Brown, probably Julio Jones, any of these playmakers that they're relying on to give them a puncher's chance and give their offense any legitimate teeth, along with a boatload of their defensive players. Bud Dupree's on IR. They had multiple linebackers out of the game, and then they lost both uh, two backup linebackers during the game against New England. We have a legitimate shot at catching them. The AFC North looks dominant right now. They've got Cincy and Baltimore jockeying for the top of the conference, and yet they're going to have to cannibalize each other down the stretch to a certain degree. There is an incredible amount of volatility left in the AFC race. That's why it's too close to call for a playoff spot. It's too close to call to say anyone's season is definitively over. And the craziest thing, which I just saw before we started recording in a Brett Coleman tweet, An AFC team that makes the playoffs as a wild card can, despite my frustration over our roster construction, still win a Super Bowl this year. Chris, if you don't mind calling that up for me. Scroll up. Boom. Brett Coleman on Twitter. 10 of the 16 NFC teams are under 500 right now. Four of the 16 AFC teams are under 500. In case y'all needed a reminder on where these conferences are at right now, one of them is super top-heavy, and the other is the football equivalent of mutually assured destruction. (laughs) That's what we're talking about. But if you were going to take that track and you wanted to look at it through that lens, you'd say, okay, Chris, you have a bunch of really crappy football teams on one side of the bracket, and for as good as they look, who are they playing? Crappy football teams. Meanwhile, you have a bunch of football teams over here on the AFC side that can win any given week. Who's more dangerous? The AFC. I would argue that that's correct. So, regardless of when, because I've I've read a lot of things, some tweets, I've seen the the NFC is going to be the toughest conference to beat. With who? Dallas? Yeah. Keep singing that song. See how many. (laughs) Keep, keep, Keep trying to tell me that. I think that whoever comes out of the AFC is going to be the best equipped to win the Super Bowl. This is starting to feel like the year that the Sabres played the Carolina Hurricanes in the Stanley Cup, in the in the Eastern Final. And you looked at it and you just kind of knew. You looked across and you saw the Edmonton Oilers and you saw who they were playing and you said, okay, it doesn't matter who comes out of the East. They're winning it this year. Yeah, Edmonton was an eighth seed that year. I feel like this is going to be the year where whoever comes out of the AFC East is probably going to have a pretty good shot at winning this thing. So now the real question, are we the team, the Buffalo Bills, that can take advantage of that? I don't know if it's us, but I'm willing to believe that it can be still. Chris, the fan reaction to the loss of Trey White, a little over the top, don't you think? Yeah, just look at yourself. And it's going to come down right now to McDermott and Frazier being able to scheme a great defensive plan to hide that Trey White is missing. Well, and I, I, 
believe that Frazier and McDermott can get that done. We were talking to Hugo, uh, one of our listeners from Portugal, who's actually going to be attending a game with us later on this year for the second time, which I think will be wild. In fact, guys that we have seasons with were actually asking about Hugo. They were sad he couldn't make it earlier in the year because of all the travel bans and things like that. But he was like, hey, "Does our how big of a loss is this really? Because when you think about it, the loss of Stefan Gilmore in New England. That's the thing that takes their defense from elite Super Bowl lock to, okay, you're good, but you're not unbeatable. The loss of Stephon Gilmore. From savage to average? Because you, well, because you run a man coverage scheme, which there's very few cornerbacks who can play man to man coverage consistently at a high level. Zone schemes, on the other hand, I, you see teams get by with, a, with, average to slightly above average zone defense, but it works as long as you scheme it well and people make impact plays for you. The Bills can get by with that. Are they as elite as they were? No, they never will be. You can't replace Trey White. I don't give, I don't give a damn who you sign off the street, who you go out and try to... It doesn't matter. If you were going to address it, you were going to do it in the preseason and they didn't think they needed to because they didn't see him tearing his ACL. Nobody did. So everybody stop your hand wringing. It's over. But the reality is, is that I still think we're going to be okay. And Chris, you made a point during our podcast with Greg. How many teams are equipped to really victimize us over this? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot that we're going to play down the stretch. And when it comes to the playoffs, yeah, you got to hope that your offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator have a great plan. If anything, this puts more pressure on our offense and says, listen, we can play average defense now. We probably won't be above average, but we can do average. Bend but don't break. Zone scheme. We've got great linebackers. We've got great safeties. We've got okay cornerbacks. Yeah, you just hope that nobody gets hurt. Score points. Go score me some fucking points, and none of this will matter. That's it. You just have to be a different football team, and everybody has to embrace that challenge. Will they? I don't know. But I'm not gonna. I'm certainly not gonna cry about it. I mean, I, I I alluded to it in the last show, but Chris, the way I'm wired, when big things go wrong, I feel like I feel like I get angrier with small things than big things. I could definitely see that. Trey White goes out for the year, and I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll bitch at Chris about it while he's here in my basement. And by the next day, we're here recording a podcast with Greg, and I'm talking about how, meh, okay, well, we'll find our way through this. It'll be, it'll be, we're going to have to. The sun's going to get up. The sun is going to come up tomorrow, and we're going to have football games to play. It, it's going to happen. I, I think back to that time we were moving Kyle Trimble, you and I, in the middle of a legitimate blizzard. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> I still have a voicemail from you on on that in my what? on the fact that somehow in a whiteout condition, three women managed to cause a, a giant backup. Three women drivers drove into each other at a four way stop. I I can't make this up. I don't know how it happened. I wasn't trying to be sexist. I was just calling Chris and being like, "This is what I'm seeing." There are just three women yelling at each other in the street because somehow all three of them ran into each other head on at the same time. Like this, I've, it, it's like seeing a unicorn. You're like, I didn't think that would ever happen. I've only heard stories. But so we're in the middle of a blizzard helping our friend move. Now, Kyle and I are arguing about how boxes are going to fit in the truck, and I'm pissed off about the fact that things didn't get packed the way that I wanted. Of course. 
right? Of course. Small things, right? Yeah. God. Meanwhile, 20 minutes later, I'm driving down the 90, down the throughway, 65 miles an hour with 15 feet of visibility and traffic. And Kyle's rickety $99 grill that he wouldn't just let me jettison into the woods <laughs> and buy him a new one <laughs> is now rocking. It was missing a wheel. So it rocks its way out from under the ratchet straps that I have it strapped to the bed of my truck with and starts to roll around my truck bed. Now, what's funny is, is that that should be the moment where I'm furious, right? That yeah. should be the thing I'm angry about. The fact that this grill didn't get strapped down. It's whiteout conditions. I'm going to. I'm No, I was pumped. I literally I was laughing as I pulled over to the side in zero again on the throughway where people are still doing 65, even though they can only see 10, 15, 20 feet in front of them. I get out of my truck and I'm in my truck bed restrapping this thing down and I couldn't have found it funnier. There's something about giant disasters that just it's like okay this is where we are now <laughs> there's no changing this so you might it's like being mad at rain so you might as well move on i hope that most bills fans have gotten there when it comes to this aspect of our defense it will look different monday night i expect to see it they're probably not going to be a sound they're probably going to have to do some th- people are going to wonder well why didn't matt milano crash the edge when this they ran this play and it was a play act he Matt Milano didn't run down to fill on a play action dump off to a running back. Well, because they don't have a Trey White. So he's starting to he's got to play a little more coverage. Uh, Why didn't a safety come downhill and stop this tight end? Because he's playing coverage. You're going to see some of that and you have to prepare yourself for it. At the same time, I'm ready for it. Because, Chris, I think the biggest thing to come out of all this for Bills fans is this idea that we (laughs) inexplicably this season was supposed to be just like last season, wasn't it? Like, if you listen to everybody talk all offseason long, the Bills were just supposed to roll through this division. Yeah, I think people just assumed, okay, well, we're going to go 14-3 and on the road to the Super Bowl. I think we still got a shot at the Super Bowl, but I think there was going to be more bumps along the way. To me, all of that praise was always uncomfortable. It's like that jacket that you dig out of the you dig out of the closet, and you're like, I haven't seen this in forever, and you try to put it on. You talking about your high school Letterman's jacket? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I was because I lettered. <laughs> I was drama club with three chins and an afro, baby. I had, but, a, I had a gym teacher that used to call me Hall. He used to call me and my buddy Tony, who had feathered hair. He called us Hall and Oates whenever he saw us together, and I didn't get it until I graduated high school. Hold on. Well, you went to high school in North Collins. Yes. I thought in North Collins, farming is considered a sport. <laughs> so you'd have a Letterman's well, jacket for that. Well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> no, it's it's one of these things where you just, I don't know. I think it didn't fit. It never felt good. In fact, if anything, it was like, okay, you're putting too much pressure on us because now there's all this expectation, quote unquote. And I think our players, even though they'll never admit it, bought into some of that. Well, now we're here. Our backs are against the wall and we got to find out what this team is made out of. And we as fans, the, the people who are already decrying that the season's over because of the losses that we've had, I I don't know what to tell you because I guess you weren't. <laughs> are you new? That's the question I have. Because here's what I think. I said this to Aaron Quinn 
recently from cover one. I was like, this is kind of like the Bane monologue, <laughs> the Bane speech about darkness in the Dark Knight Rises. And I was born with this feeling that everybody's walking around with this feeling of concern, this hand wringing, this constant anxiety over what's going to happen with this football team. I was born with it. I was steeped in it. My fandom was molded by it. By the time I saw this team succeed, I was already a man. <laughs> and by then, it was nothing but unnerving. These emotions everyone has right now are my comfort zone. I love this. Let's go. Let's get fired up. Chris, that place is going to be bananas on Monday night. I want to hear that anxiety from people. You use that as fuel. You don't shy away from it. You steer into it. I love it. This is the most excited I've been for a football game all season because now there's actually something at stake. It's December, a divisional matchup with first place in the division on the line. And at the same time, How could you we, not and at like the same time if we don't get it, it's not the end of the world. And I don't know who out there, regardless of this outcome, is willing to take that walk with me. But for the first time in NFL history, what feels like a major loss, regardless of percentages and factoids and all the other dorky shit the national media might drum up in their five to ten minutes of quick research ahead of a deadline to throw at us, to get us to agonize over. I don't know that it matters all that much. I mean, Josh Allen said it two weeks ago after that Jets victory. We're, we don't have to be the best team in the NFL. We just have to try to be the best team every single Sunday on the field we're playing on. That's the mentality it's going to take to come out of this in one piece. This Monday, the Bills are going to try to be that. Godspeed. If you're going to the game, we tailgate in the mud lot. For those of you who aren't, I'll see you on the other side. Chris, this has been fun, but we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. And this has been your AFC's Roundup. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.